Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's new communications and marketing expert was radically pro-lockdown and pro-vaccine mandate during the COVID-19 pandemic. Another Jewish community center in Montreal was attacked with a Molotov cocktail. Ahead of the United Nations COP28 summit in Dubai, the author of the Paris Agreement says breaking the law is necessary to advance climate goals. Hello Canada, it's Tuesday, November 28th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Cosman Georgia. And I'm Noah Jarvis. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's new communications and marketing expert was radically pro-lockdown and pro-vaccine mandate during the COVID-19 pandemic. The newly hired executive director of communication in the prime minister's office, Max Valiquette, expressed a number of controversial opinions in favor of restricting civil liberties during the COVID-19 pandemic. On X, Valiquette expressed his support for shutting down schools in May 2021, calling it irresponsible to send children to school. Valiquette said, quote, This feels like a somewhat irresponsible thing to tweet if you can't support it with a source of some kind. Want schools to be open right now as they are under current vaccine conditions? Valley Cat also made numerous comments on social media calling for the civil liberties of unvaccinated Canadians to be restricted while spreading misinformation about the benefits of receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. Valley Cat stated that receiving the COVID-19 vaccine would prevent the transmission of the virus in spite of evidence and messaging from the World Health Organization that disputes the claim. He also expressed support for vaccine passports to restrict unvaccinated Canadians from public life, theorizing that unvaccinated individuals would harass vaccinated Canadians. The PMO did not respond to a request for comment from True North. Noah, we've all seen the polls. We've seen Justin Trudeau's support tank across a wide variety of demographics. He's obviously trying to shift his image a little bit here. Do you think the hiring of Valley Cat is going to help him at all? You know, at this point, I think Canadians are just sick and tired of Justin Trudeau and the consequences of his policies has been made apparent by, you know, the rabid inflation that we've been having to deal with for the past a uh, couple years now, the insane housing prices, uh, and just the, his constant and consistent uh, policies that restrict civil liberties, whether that be Bill C-11 and C-18, uh, that has just tangibly made the quality of ca- the Canadian internet worse with the fact that we can't even see uh, news now on Facebook um, or on other social media platforms, or, or with the fact that Justin Trudeau clamped down very hard on the trucker convoys uh, liberties going as far as to freeze their bank accounts. The fact of the matter is that sure a marketing expert could perhaps improve Justin Trudeau's chances with a very small segment of the population 
But, you know, the his Valley Cat's conduct on social media by blocking people that he disagrees with on social media and by his just radical ideas uh, during the pandemic, it doesn't seem as if he's going to be winning over a lot of people that the Trudeau liberals have lost. Yeah, I'm not so sure whether it will be successful. The liberals have a habit of just like pouring money into things thinking that it'll make things better. And this is the case. Hiring a marketing expert won't necessarily repair that trust that was broken with a large swath of Canadians who feel that this government is living in a bubble, is ignoring their basic needs, especially with the cost of living crisis right now. And you just look at some of the solutions proposed by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his cabinet. It's just dishing out, you know, different subsidies and different amounts of money, like the grocery subsidy to Canadians, hoping that this will somehow uh, buy them favor and buy them votes down the line. But quite frankly, I don't think that is a solution. That is just a weak band-aid on top of a mounting problem that is a result of a number of different consequences that come from, quite frankly, this liberal government's handling of the economy and and Canada's fiscal situation. Yeah, a marketing expert is something of a uh, metaphorical photographer in that he can frame how the photograph is viewed, he can improve the quality of the picture, but if the thing being photographed is a turd, well, there's, there's only so much that you can do to make a turd look good. Montreal Jewish leaders are sounding the alarm about a frightening rise in anti-Semitism after a Jewish community center was attacked with a Molotov cocktail. An unknown suspect threw a Molotov cocktail at the offices of the Jewish Community Council in Montreal's Côte de Neige, Notre-Dame-de-Grasse area early Monday morning. The incident, which occurred at approximately 12.30 a.m. at the community center located on Descari Boulevard near Vezina Street, resulted in minor damage to the building's entrance and no reported injuries. The Montreal Police Arson Squad has initiated an investigation into the attack. Rabbi Saul Emanuel, the executive director of the Jewish Community Council, expressed deep concern over the escalating anti-Semitism in Montreal in a press release. Emanuel wrote, quote, The rise in anti-Semitism in our city is frightening, and the repeated violence and attacks on our community are abhorrent and condemned in the strongest terms, unquote. Emmanuel said that the Jewish Community Council has been meeting with the federal and Quebec governments, calling for increased funding to ensure the safety and security of the Jewish community. Cosman, this isn't the first attack against a Jewish community center since the October 7th attacks. Uh, do you believe that the uh, all levels of government, federal, provincial, municipal, are doing enough to protect Canada's Jewish community? Well, look, Noah, I think we all know where this is coming from, and it's coming from the radical left. They have so many sympathizers in the left who, who see Hamas as some revolutionary force, this terrorist organization. And here we have Canadians, especially young Canadians, actually, who are, are praising it as if it's a good thing. And I don't even think that the 
police forces here are doing enough because we've investigated this stuff before. There are radical left websites on the internet right now teaching people how to make Molotov cocktails. They're teaching people how to attack infrastructure. There are guides online. Even in Montreal, there's a website specifically called Montreal Counter Information that actually, if you go on their website, it's an anarchist far left-wing website, but they have specific instructions on how to make Molotov cocktails. So it's all out there in the open. And in the past, like several years ago when I was investigating this stuff, I actually approached uh, the Montreal police and, and they just don't seem interested in doing anything about it or even discussing the matter. So I think years of inaction, people seem to have buried their head in the sand and hoped that this would just go away, hoped that it was just some young, reckless people engaging in radicalism. But here we have it mounting into a problem that it seems the authorities can't handle or just don't have the will to handle. You're right, Cosman. I mean, this incident is not an example of just some young people expressing their radical beliefs. This is, you know, an incident of attempted arson, something that could have uh, hurt many people. At the very least, it had the potential to burn down a religious institution of Jews. And it, it to me, it is no wonder that these incidents are occurring much more often in a province like Quebec, where laïcité is a value that you know, the Quebecers have uh, held quite strongly since the Quebec Revolution. If you don't know what laïcité mean, it basically is radical secularism. It is uh, the idea that you should not be expressing your religious beliefs, values in public because of reasons. So, Cosman, do you believe that it is uh, some, there is something unique about Quebec's culture that has been leading to uh, multiple of these attacks occurring in Quebec? Honestly, Noah... Given the fact that we've seen churches burn across the country, I wouldn't particularly blame Quebec. It seems that there is a segment of the population who has bought into decolonization, these like acrid, toxic ideological concepts that only serve to burn things down. And they're taking action in real life, right? We've had so many churches across Canada, Christian churches, whether they're Catholic, Anglican, or we've even seen Ukrainian Orthodox churches targeted because there are people who just vehemently hate anything to do with religion, anything to do with tradition, and anything to do with Canada's cultural historic roots and they're willing to take the worst form of action and I think this is just an extension of that right we know that statistics show that Jews are often the most targeted community when it comes to hate crimes and it, it was Catholics I think this was a year or two ago who came up to the second spot because of the debate around you know the so-called graves which they allege were uncovered at some of these residential school sites, but yet they haven't turned over uh, any sort of evidence that there's actually bodies buried there. And so there is this whole narrative that's being constructed, and it's a false narrative 
to justify some of these crimes against religious communities, and in this case, Jewish communities. Ahead of this week's United Nations COP28 summit in Dubai, one of the key architects behind the Paris Agreement, to which Canada is a signatory, said that breaking the law was necessary to advance climate goals. Speaking about her past as a climate activist and lawyer for Hannah Yamin, told a panel held by The Conduit that the far-left ideas of, quote, decolonization and reparations went hand-in-hand with the objectives behind the climate movement. Benefiting from 300 years of resilience Mm -hmm. based on colonialism and based on very deep pockets, um, which resulted from the exploitation and appropriation of other people's resources and assets, And they rightly are questioning that, and we need to have a response to that. I feel like clapping, Just trying to now deal with climate change without dealing with decolonization, without dealing with reparations. You cannot do repair without reparations. In 2019, Yamin was arrested, among others, after charging through a police line and supergluing herself to the London, UK headquarters of Shell. Yamin was instrumental in crafting the 2015 Paris Agreement, and in particular bringing about the specific goal of net zero global emissions by 2050. Canada is expected to send delegates to this year's summit in Dubai. Along with the European Union, the Canadian government is set to announce a green alliance aimed at promoting carbon pricing and increased renewable energy production worldwide. Noah, here we have it directly from the horse's mouth. Farhana Yamin is one of the authors of the Paris Agreement, which has been lauded by the Trudeau government as the be-all and end-all when it comes to crafting some of Canada's own climate policies. We know that the Trudeau government agrees with the net-zero goal of cutting global emissions by 2050, They're even willing to accelerate some of those targets to as soon as 2035 and 2030. So when you have this figurehead, this architect of the global plan to fight climate change and, you know, turn this ship around saying that breaking the law is sometimes necessary to advance the greater good, it is quite troubling because we know that So many historical crimes and even genocides were committed in the name of the greater good. And when you encourage law-breaking on one side, you can also expect it on the other side. So I, I find it very irresponsible for this individual who is a lawyer, who who I assume is a practicing lawyer, to say that it is necessary to break the law. But it's pretty obvious what these activists mean when they say decolonization, and I think it's becoming more obvious by the day. We know that adherents of all sorts of radical movements, like those currently who support Hamas, also use the term decolonization. What does this actually mean? You know, in my eyes, it means, well, property theft, they want to remove people from 
the land and property to which they claim has been stolen. So they, they want to get rid of, of certain individuals, mostly in this case. In certain cases, it's mostly, you know, European origin people, white Canadians. But in other cases, as the case of Israel, it's Jews from, from Jerusalem and, and, and the land of Israel itself. Yeah, I believe left-wing activism is just another front in the war against Western civilization. These people are ideologues, and uh, climate activism is one of the one of the fronts in which uh, they are fighting for a more egalitarian, utopian left-wing uh, society. Decolonization, uh, reparations, uh, climate justice, feminism, racial justice—it is all one in the same. In that, it all stems from uh, Marxist cultural analysis. You know, the the left—they like to demonize uh, cultural Marxism as a uh, conspiracy theory, but cultural Marxist analysis is a real thing. And in uh, in critical race theory texts, in texts about intersectionality, in texts about climate change, they they just can't stop citing Marx. So yeah, it it is all part of one's shared uh, ideology and you know it shouldn't be a too much of a surprise that a climate activist is larping on decolonization and reparations at the end of the day for someone who is a lawyer a officer of the court to encourage people to break the law uh, it, it is ridiculous and it is reprehensible and it just goes to show that these people would would encourage and do anything in pursuit of their ideological goals which is troubling it's almost like a religious conviction to the altar of climate activism and you know she she's so short-sighted to not see that you know breaking the law uh, in in favor of a climate of their climate goals uh, is, is short-sighted because you know what happens if a a, cons uh, a government comes in that doesn't agree with fighting climate activism or they're emboldened to break the law in favor of reversing uh, sort of climate activist policies. That is something that Farana definitely doesn't see that, you know, if you're encouraging people to break the law on one side, uh, the other side would be inclined to break the law. But these people don't see that far into the future. Quite frankly, they're not bright. They only care about pushing their ideological agenda. And in this case, it is a mix of climate activism and uh, decolonization, both uh, two reprehensible ideas. That's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Plus, The Andrew Lawton Show will be live at 1 p.m. Eastern Time today. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. <laughs>